is my favorite thing. Eating in Italy is my favorite thing. Welcome to the Gridiron Show, a rare occasion of Will Gavin and Ollie Hunter in the same building at the same time, and we're going to get our summer pods continuing to roll. We've got some interviews left over from Radio Row for you. We're going to be hearing from a trio of Vikings and a pair of Packers. We're also going to be talking about our tour and getting your questions off Twitter, doing some of the latest news from around the NFL. We're cramming it all in to the Gridiron Show. Welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. No, Ollie, I will not re-record my intro because I punched the microphone halfway through it. That was so it. funny. With, <laughs> what were you doing? It was like rolling into the... Rolling into the... you decided to do the, know, the, just, the arm movement of I, I, rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lord you, knows. It was very funny. Do you know in, uh, in Birmingham they call a roly-poly a gamble? What? Yeah, ridiculous. Stupid human beings. Uh, coming up, we're going to hear... It's going to be a bit NFC North Central. The interviews we're going to bring you from Radio Row. We're going to hear from, with the Super Bowl heading to Minnesota next year, Mark Wilf and Chad Greenaway, a right. Vikings legendary linebacker and one of the executives and owners of the Vikings. Plus, Tyler Hinnicky. Hinnicky? Hinnicky? I hope he doesn't listen to this, because this is really offensive. I was really genuinely asking how you pronounce his name. And then you start taking the mick out. I'm not taking the mick. I was asking you back. You're a disgrace. It's something like that. I would would just like to preface that interview. It's not as dull as it may sound. It's very interesting being a backup quarterback, and we get into that. He's the backup quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. With Teddy Bridgewater getting back on the field this week, we talk about uh, that injury last year, the impact on the team. It's fascinating. And we're going to hear from both Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, the two new running backs drafted in Green Bay before they were drafted. We spoke to them together on Radio Row, so all that's coming as well. And before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, just... One last chance to get your place guaranteed on the Gridiron Tour, Deep South Tour with Touchdown Trips for 2017. Got a good group of people signed up so far, 15 or so already on the books. We're going to be confirming the initial numbers with the travel company tomorrow. So get in touch now. £250 secures your place on the tour. And basically, this is the point at which we decide where the line is, where the limit is, where the maximum number of places is. So to absolutely guarantee tam your place on the tour, get your booking done. So touchdowntrips.com, Facebook, Touchdown Trips, Twitter, Touchdown Trips. And if you're umming and ahhing over it, this is going to be a great trip, even if you're coming solo, because it's going to be a chance, first of all, to hang out with me, Ollie, and uh, Matt Sherry, and Simon Clancy, yeah, and yeah. all the other people on the tour but we're going to be pairing people up in rooms to save you some money get the price down and we're going to be uh we, it's, it's just going to be a riotous time we've got f- three great nfl games starting off with colts at texans where we great we've got- game that great game i'm really looking forward to seeing malik hooker but also jj what baby yeah. 
and and <gasps> we loved our time at Energy Stadium this year, and we, we've got a great authentic tailgate for that one. They were heading to New Orleans for a few, a few days there before a Friday night lights experience in Baton Rouge. We might catch a Pelicans game as well while we're in New Orleans. Uh, they might be good this year. Uh, then I'm really overstating that. Uh, then we'll go to LSU for a Tigers game at Tigers Stadium, the uh, university which has produced Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, uh, all these great... Uh, Leonard Fournette, Leonard baby. Fournette, all these great names in recent years. Friend of the show. Then on the Sunday, we'll head to the brand new Mercedes Enormo Dome, or whatever it's actually called, in Atlanta. <laughs> if it's not called the Enormo Dome, <laughs> they should change the name. <laughs> for Cowboys... The Enormo Dome, it's, that's, that's brilliant. I love that. Uh, for Cowboys at Falcons, uh, there's a possible NFC Championship game, a great game. And that's then, a fantastic game. And then travelling to South Carolina for Dolphins at Panthers before travelling back on the Tuesday. It's going to be a great 10 days away, and we'd love you to join us. I need to partially apologise at this point because I've been making a joke on the last few weeks of the show going, ah, it's not that much money, get a credit card, get a loan. I obviously was joking, and I don't want people to get into debt to come along. I, you know, I do think that it's very good value for money, um, for what you're getting, for the quality of the hotels, for all the authentic tailgates, everything included, your game tickets, your transfers, all in. It's a really, really good value tour. But obviously, guys, don't do anything silly. Yeah, yeah just to hang out with us yeah, I mean be, go and watch some great football be cool everyone be cool yeah. uh, Ollie it's been like 10 days since we've done a podcast nearly what, how you been buddy I went to Berlin oh yeah you did how was it I do loved you, Berlin do you know what I found it it was very hot the first couple of days oh it was hot when I was in Berlin I mean really hot I found it like an American city with old stuff <laughs> so it's wide streets new architecture I, I found it a bit impersonal Oh, really? Yeah. I, I loved Berlin. Why did you love Berlin? Uh, I Well, I like the architecture and I love the historical oh, side no, no, of the city. I love city, all of that. But I also, the nightlife's amazing. Just brilliant. Yeah, 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 it was good. I, I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, so you enjoyed Berlin? I had a knuckle, a pork knuckle, mm, a Bavarian beer, and it was yes. one of the, with loads of crackling. It was one of the nicest things I've ever eaten. It was what, amazing. What, what was the reason for travelling to Berlin? Just thought I'd go. I'm a big fan of yours, Ollie Hunter. Yeah, just thought, you know, just, just I haven't been away for a while. I thought I'd go. An on a whim man. An on a whim man. I, I, I've but also... you're not going to come with me to the playoff final on Monday, which is very sad. No, I'm working. I'm working. But we are going to somewhere else a couple of days later. A Scunthorpe. Scunthorpe, we're, even. We're going to watch Arcade Fire and Scunthorpe. I always get Scunthorpe and Scarborough mixed up. They're, they're similar regions of the country, Well, I think. there's a big, there's the Humber Strait, which it, that basically uh, separates... North and south. So there you go. We're going to Scunny. We're going to watch Arcade Fire in a tiny venue. See, that's great. I've got tickets. Uh, me and Ollie are going. Uh, little... We're going to get a train. We're staying in a little hut in somebody's garden. That's not a joke. It's going to be awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Do you think... Let's play with out your hut, Arcade Fire today. With your hut, will you be Jabba. putting that on uh, Airbnb once it's done? Well, it doesn't have running water up there. So, um, mm, okay. yeah, we'd have to let people in the house yeah, to use yeah. the loo and stuff. Yeah, you don't want to do that. No. No, no, no. But it's a good idea. How have you been, buddy? What's been going on? I, I've been great. I've been working a lot. Um, I've just had my anniversary yesterday. So do you know what? Evening That's, out. I'd, I'd, just, I'd like to revisit that. What a great wedding. <laughs> it was a good it wedding. It was a great wedding. Great food. The reason I knew it was your anniversary is because when I was on Facebook, and it, you know how it, it comes up with this happened two years ago yeah or whatever uh, it came up with that picture of me photobombing 
a very passionate moment between Adam and Sam. Oh God! In yeah, your fo- in, in your photo. Booth. Sarah nearly posted that on Twitter. Going two years ago, something magical happened, but she didn't think that everyone would get that it was a joke. So she definitely should have posted that on Twitter. Well, so uh, the. What's funny is a time hop, which was a very popular app about three years ago, showing you like all your old social media from that day yeah. that people have really stopped using. I got a little notification from it. I'm like, I haven't opened this app in about two years, but let's have a little look because it was my wedding day. And I got loads of great pictures of my wedding day. I got loads of great pictures that were reposted last year. And I got a picture of me interviewing Andrew Luck as tweeted by NFL UK uh. from four years earlier. So I realized that it was my wedding day is also my anniversary of the first time I interviewed Andrew Luck. It's classic. Classic. By the way, classic triple B. <laughs> right, right there. Uh, do you want me to? I, I, I can. <laughs> let's make it worse. And so I tweeted that jokingly, and then Greg Rosenthal tweeted me saying, "And I'm sure they were both equally important days to you, or something like that." He's outstanding, isn't he? I triple, I triple B you. There you go. Um, By the way. I worked out why I lo- why you said I'd love that uh, that episode of Master of None so much. Which one? The one with Triple B in it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny when that he said great. that. Like, oh my god, I can't remember what it means. It meant beauty, beers, and something else. Yeah. But uh, yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Right, we're going to go around some of the news around the NFL before we get to our interviews and take some of your questions from Twitter at Gridiron. There, as always, do please go to. No, it's not called iTunes anymore. It's now called well, it is called iTunes on what? the computer but no it's now called Apple Podcasts or something and that's what everyone's saying when they're encouraging you to go and get the podcast from there go give us a review write a review give us some stars I know it's cheeky to ask but we do it does help us get out to a wider audience and we do appreciate it massively and we love all the support and love that we get from you guys um I did get a tweet from Richard Wyatt asking, with the season just weeks away, is this the year the Saskatchewan Rough Riders get back to relevance in the CFL? To which I replied, did you just use CFL and relevance in the same sentence? Very good. Very Thank good, you. like that. Thank you. Uh, he also wondered if the 2016 Falcons are worthy of an America's Game Lost Rings episode. I, um, I might have got angry at Rich the other day. He, okay. he he woke up and somebody uh, tweeted. Oh, there was some. Hot- That's, aren't you getting him confused with Bobby, the no. commissioner <laughs> of one of our leagues? No, he's a shambles. <laughs> Rich Wyatt is a, a a big fan of Rich. He's a, a great guy. He does some work with NFL UK. Uh, regular listen. We're in a couple of fantasy leagues with him. He's a really really top guy. But I he, love him. He's a devastated Falcons fan and. There was a, some hot taking on the Falcons on ESPN or something, and they tweeted out the thing. And he tweeted it going, great, waking up to this on a Friday morning or something like that. And I just basically sent him a long list of reasons why he needed to get over it now. Like, teams who lose the Super Bowl are treated like that in the offseason. Yeah, and then I felt really guilty that I'd basically just told him to get over it, and so I was very apologetic. And he's, like, one of the nicest people on the planet. Yeah. And you yeah. like that to him. That's me. You're out of order. Uh, Neil Dutton asked us, which player will be the first to try the patience of refs regarding the relaxed celebration rules and end up getting flagged? Uh, If you didn't see this, this is from the past weekend. NFL will be relaxing the celebration rules for players, part of the, uh, the meetings that happened in this last week. There's some other really important rules from it. But you can now... Use the football as a prop after a touchdown, celebrate on the ground, and group demonstrations are back. I'm delighted by this. Do you know what? So am I. Because it's entertainment. In the, the, it's, it's sport, but it's also entertainment. It's not sports entertainment like your wrestling thing, but it's sport <laughs> and entertainment. And therefore, 
why would you ban people from doing things that are going to make the crowd happy? What's really funny is Marvin Lewis apparently was like, I don't like it. Oh, g- Marvin, look, this will be your last year in a, as an NFL boss, so you keep doing what you're doing, yeah? Goodell, Mar- uh, <laughs> Roger Goodell was asked about Marvin Lewis' stance. Went, well, I've heard from Marvin before. We've had these discussions, and I think the players will prove him wrong on the idea that he thinks that, uh, yeah, he thinks that... Uh, it- it was wrong to relax the rules and no longer penalise people. As for Neil's question, um, uh, it's Gronk, yeah, Antonio Brown. Uh, I'd say Jimmy Graham because he'll dunk it over the post, which is still banned. But really, um, he doesn't score touchdowns anymore. So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the standard Seahawks dig of the week. Uh, we'll figure one out and it will tell you. Um, Brock Osweiler thinks the. The film from his last two years proves he's good enough to start for the Cleveland Browns. Ross Oliver asks us just how many concussions has Brock Osweiler (laughs) suffered. Look, I I was really positive on the Browns' off-season. Osweiler might be good enough to be the starter at the Browns because they don't have a lot else there. But between that and them hiring Ryan Grigson to join their front office... I'm not happy with what the Browns That's are. insane. How do these people still get jobs? Well, this is what Pat McAvee had to say when the Browns tweeted it. He quoted it and it just went... <laughs> I can so imagine Pat doing that, yeah. In that exact voice. Why am I calling him just Pat? He's now their senior personnel executive and will answer to the Cleveland football czar, Sashi Brown. So there you go. Bad move, Browns. Do you know what? It's a real Browns move, isn't it? So Browns. It's so Brownsy. Um, and before we get to the uh, the crux of the rest of the news, Adam Foxcroft, still sad about the passing of Sir Roger Moore earlier this week, but who do you think was the best Bond? And what is his best film? Now, do you know what? I'm thinking about this, right? And I think your best Bond is the generally, generally the one you grew up with. But but you say that... and So, so you're saying your best Bond is Pierce Brosnan? No, I don't think Pierce Brosnan is my best Bond. I like Timothy Dalton. What?! I like, I'm a Timothy Dalton man. I'm, I'm sorry. This is worse than when you said you preferred fizzy water no, to still water. No. Timothy Dalton has absolutely zero charisma. I, what? I, Timothy Dalton's great. Tim- Pierce Brosnan's got zero uh, charisma. No, no, right, right. So, worst Bond, Pierce Brosnan. Second worst Bond, Timothy Dalton. Get out. You're wrong. I You're believe utterly it. wrong. Do you know who's better than Timothy Dalton? George but, Lazenby. Well, George was great. <laughs> <laughs> he only did one Bond, and I don't think you can you can have and, that. And, as... and on Her Majesty's Secret Service, a much underrated Bond film. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you're right. R- Roger Moore, they got a bit campy, didn't they? They got a bit ridiculous around the Moonraker Moonraker point, and they carried on getting more Moonraker ridiculous. was awful. Name it was an me, awful what's, movie. What's the... What, uh, name me... <laughs> Dalton only did a couple of Bonds, didn't he? And I don't think either of them were very good. No, he did. Yeah, he did a. I th- no, I think they were both quite good. I'm just trying to find out which ones he did. Now, he, he, *Living the, Daylight* and uh, *License yeah. to Kill*. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a really big fan of. Uh, it's a bit of a slightly weirder. Uh, of I love *Thunderball*. *Thunderball* is a personal favourite. That's Sean Connery. I'm. Do you know what? If Daniel Craig gets together and does another Sam Mendes, yeah, Bond film, he might become my favourite Bond. Well. There is that, but he's he's moved it along, hasn't he? From he's, he's incorporated a bit of Bond, uh, born in there. Uh, he needs a bit. He needs to be a bit 
suave, maybe have more of a glint, three, glint in his eye. Three out of the four Bond films he's done have been great. I think Cena Royale, Skyfall and Spectre are all top six or seven Bond films. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right there. Quantum just, of Solace was not great. Just, just a very quick, completely not related question to you. Would Wayne Rooney make your Man United all-time Premier League top five players? No. Good. Thank you. We're going to be discussing that on the Race Up show tomorrow from Michael. Yes. Keen. Mm, didn't make my list. Cantona. Yep. Skulls. Yep. Vidic. Got to be Giggs. Giggs oh, has bugger. got to be in there. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I forgot about Giggs. <laughs> I'll take out Vidic, I'll put Giggs in. But Keane, definitely. Uh, Keane didn't make my list. What? Who, who? Um, we we kind of got into the, what's the longevity versus periods of brilliance. And I thought Ruud van Nistelrooy, for the three seasons he was brilliant, was one of the best strikers he's ever played. Well, yeah, but... And I mean, Cristiano, you could pick Cristiano Ronaldo as well, but he was a flat track bully when he was at United. He got much better at Real. Yeah, exactly. Right, we've moved off. We've gone to the wrong football, Ollie. Sorry, yeah. it's the off season. This is what happened. Um, <laughs> it's not our fault. It's the off season. It's the off season's <laughs> fault. Yeah, Any time we go on a tangent, it's the off season. You know, we're over fifty percent. Uh, past the halfway point of I, the off season I saw that 107 days tweet from Adam Schefter we're past the we're past the halfway point people it's coming it's we're in the home stretch we are in in, in a way we're in the home stretch great uh, I feel like we've we're going to go from a moment of comedy to a moment of sadness here but uh, what, since we've been away in the last two days uh, Seahawks great Cortez Ken- Kennedy passed away at the age of 48 a pro football hall of famer one of the most disruptive defensive players certainly of my lifetime uh, unbelievable considering at £300 he once recorded 14 sacks in one campaign uh, just unbelievable against the run brilliant penetration through the middle in my early days of watching the NFL he was one of my favourite players and maybe my favourite ever Seahawk and so you know devastatingly sad that somebody could die so young the Seahawks tweeted uh, Cortez Kennedy has been a pillar of the Seahawks franchise since joining the team as a rookie in 1990 Tez was heart and soul of the Seahawks through the 90s and endeared himself to 12s all across the Pacific Northwest and as a player who played with a selfless relentless approach to the game so um, yeah huge fan of Cortez and that's really sad news and I think what we'll do we're going to be speaking to Warren Moon later in the off season who? uh, good we've uh, semi-lined that up and Warren Moon was a teammate of Cortez Kennedy's tweeted his sadness I'm sure did more than tweet it but that's where I saw it so I will get Warren Moon's thoughts on Cortez Kennedy later in the off season I think yeah good good beautiful I second what you say Um, Super Bowl LV not happening in LA. So they've they've messed this up. The NFL. The, the problem is, I you know that I agree with you on this. That they've missed a great marketing opportunity. They really have. But their reason for moving LA from twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one or twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two, whichever way it works yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting the numbers and the years all confused in my head, means they couldn't do that and then justify putting fifty five in Vegas to have SBLV in Las Vegas which would have been brilliant but the whole point is that there needs to be an, an initial year in the stadium to get all the kinks worked out and then in the second season you can have the Super Bowl yeah. there and Vegas wouldn't have necessarily been ready under those same rules I'm sure they'll they'll do something with the eye to 
make it look snazzy. They'll they'll get their top logo guys on there and figure it out. I'm, I'm sure. Un- unanimously voted in the spring meeting in Chicago to move the um, move it to uh, the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Not my favourite NFL stadium, but it does have a giant pirate ship that goes off when touchdowns are scored. Yeah. I mean. You can't really. You can't argue with that. Against that. Uh, anything else? Oh yeah, the other thing from those NFL meeting uh, owners meetings: the uh, approved shortening overtime to ten minutes from fifteen minutes. It might not seem like a big deal. It's a difficult one because if you look at the previous games, it would have meant that we'd have a lot of extra ties over the last twenty years. But my feeling on that is that if you know that you've the time is running to the end, you change up the plays you're playing. If you've got six minutes left when you're at the nine-minute mark, you're willing to slowly vitriculate the ball down the field and run it rather than throwing big bombs and trying to get yeah. the win and trying to gain the yardage. So it, I think you wouldn't have been as many ties as, as it claims to be. Uh, Bruce Arians is a huge fan of it, and I'm a huge fan of Bruce Arians, so I'm all for it. Yeah, OK. Um, if Bruce is OK with it, I'm with Bruce. Good. Not you, with Bruce. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Everyone's with Bruce. David Irving, the emerging pass rush for the Dallas Cowboys, could be, well, he's missing the first four games of the season with PED suspension. Um, they did bring in Taco Charlton. Demarcus Lawrence should be back healthy. But I'm just, let's keep the Cowboys on watch. Let's just... That defence Let's be... not all assume yeah. that they are going to be amazing this year. Really? Second year of a second year of a rookie quarterback who, yes, last year played immensely well, but had an amazing line, amazing running back, all of that. The way it's been with the Cowboys, even with this great line, is they've gone up here, down here, up here, down here. I, I, st- I still have the Cowboys as my favourites to win the uh, NFC East. They just—they really would be not really? my surprise package to to miss out. I think the Giants might win the NFC East. Oh, yeah, but their run game is dreadful. Yeah, that is true. And their line still—all they're going to do is throw it. All that defense is great. Well, can Eli Manning handle that? Yeah, I don't know. Oh. We'll get into all that's, that's of it. Much, we're going to rank the divisions later yeah. in the off season. We're going to do it later in the off season because we came up with the idea, and then NFL.com published an article about three days later going, here's a ranking of the things, which means they'll discuss it on Around the NFL, which means if we do it today, everyone will say we stole their idea. Well, you know, I told... they'll listen to Around the NFL before us. I told Greg Rosenthal about this. Unbelievable. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I just like to make it clear, I did not tell Greg Rosenthal about this. Let's roll through the rest of the bits of news. NFC South teams have gone crazy for international players. Uh, yeah, this is exciting. Alex Gray, the former England Sevens captain, is signed as a tight end with the Falcons. Effie Abada has signed with the Carolina Panthers, formerly at the Cowboys. Alex Jenkins, who, if you are not familiar with him, there was a big uh, piece on him in the last edition of Gridiron. The End, uh, who played his college football at the University of the Incarnate World in San Antonio. He signed with the New Orleans Saints. And Eric Nizocha, linebacker from Germany, played three years at the University of Wyoming. He's joined the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They've all gone nuts. Why all the NFC South? I don't know. That's a bit weird, isn't yeah. it? The NFC That's South, a bit too uh, much like a coincidence. <laughs> for, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. But all of them have gone for one one player each have the NFL just said 
Do you know what? This this year is your turn, guys. And the exciting thing is the 90 to 75 cut down isn't happening this year. So it's going from 90 down to 53, which Ooh. means... which means That's a be... whole episode of Hard Knocks gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it means there will be 1,100 NFL players who lose their job on the same day, potentially. That's harsh. That's, that's crazy. But it also means these guys will get a bit longer in camp and a bit more money. So good for them. Gerald Hodges, a linebacker formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, joins the Buffalo Bills. Uh, a Bills fan asked me on Facebook in the NFL UK fan group about this. I like Hodges. I think he's a really good coverage linebacker. I think he'll be great. He's, he's a rotation guy slash a, a, a kind of strong backup, good depth. He fits what the Bills do, doesn't necessarily fit what the 49ers are planning to do. But I would have happily seen him kept around in San Francisco. Had a good year last year. Eight combined tackles, three sacks, two picks. Not a bad year. Good, decent player. And considering they've got Reggie Ragland, who was redshirted, uh, they've already lost Zach Brown, Lorenzo Alexander, who knows what he's going to be next year after his weird, amazing season. So yeah, all- well, that's the thing with them, um, with the Bills. They take these guys that are on the periphery or have had a down year the year before, and they turned them for two thirds of the season last year anyway into a really, really good defense. So perhaps that will happen with this guy. Let's finish off with three stories about quarterbacks. And I just want to ask you what your feelings are on all three of these. The, okay. fir- the first one, Tom Brady not diagnosed with concussion at all in 2016, despite the fact that his wife has confirmed that he had a concussion. And then it, it's come back round to the issue of self-diagnosis in the NFL. I'm not saying this because it's Tom Brady. I would say this if it was any starting quarterback... Do they owe the NFL the service of self-reporting because they've got to set the example? They're the leader on these teams. Yeah, leader on the team. They're the beacon, uh, especially someone like Tom Brady. It also raises the question of if they're not doing that, then later on, how is that going to affect him if if he does develop something? And can he go to the NFL and say, look, I wasn't protected properly? Well, actually, you didn't come to us and tell us that you had, or you, you know, you didn't self-diagnose. It's a really grey area. Uh, NFL players, sportsmen, always want to play. Always, unless there's some other issues going on, but they always want to play. So they'll always say that they're fit. We see it in rugby, we see it in football, we see it in American football. And if they don't play, they potentially lose out on bonuses. So. There needs to be, yeah, I think they have to be far more self-regulatory. I mean, the fact that he's not been listed on the injury report with a concussion since 2003, as a quarterback who takes as many hits as they do, it is surprising. It is surprising. Well, the, the surprising thing is he didn't seem to take too many hits last year anyway. Quite a few in the Super Bowl by Grady Jarrett, but... Other than that, I, you know, he he was kept rather upright by his offensive line. So, it's it's odd that there were these hits that uh, apparently, according to Giselle Bunchen, um that he that he had, you know, some some concussions. So it's a, it's a weird one because if there are big hits, then he get surely gets assessed. No, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe he does so. it because it's Tom Brady. You'd hope so. You really would. Okay, your other quarterback stories. Uh, how do you feel about Aaron Rodgers getting kids out of their finals exams by retweeting their tweets? 
bit of a weird one. Yeah, Kobe I mean, Bryant did the same thing for get students out of exam in Indiana. And how good are these people's education if their teachers are willing to let them out of a finals exam because a famous sports person has tweeted about them? Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's all a bit ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, you, you're better than that. Thanks. I appreciate that. And Teddy Bridgewater making big progress in his rehab. He's back on the field making throws during um, during the Vikings OTAs, taking some snaps. So, I mean, it's, it's great news. And he didn't look 100% comfortable, but he certainly looked better than I expected him to be at this stage, considering that they still don't know if he'll take the field this season at all or ever again, for that matter. So I think that's all really positive and leads us nicely into our interviews for this week. Indeed. Let's start off, uh, Minnesota, host of the Super Bowl next year, and let's start off by hearing from, uh, as part of our Radio Row Roundup, from Mark Wilf. Make sure you've got your pins. No, these are for you. Oh, oh wow, next, yes. Yeah. Super Bowl 52. So it's for next year already. Year. Excellent. Then we're going to talk next about... year's this year on Monday. <laughs> That's very true. Uh, we'll, we'll talk a bit of Super Bowl 52 as well. Okay. We're currently catching up with the co-owner, president of the Minnesota Vikings, Mark Wilf, down on Radio Row, and... Well, before anything else, Mark, how are you enjoying this year so far? So far, so good. I mean, uh, obviously, it'd be a little better if we were in the game, but uh, the Super Bowl is always a fantastic experience. And uh, obviously, a little better if you're in the game, but a little better if it was in Minnesota. Oh, no, wait, it is going to be next year. Well, not only being in Minnesota, but maybe we'll uh, play in it as well, is to get the double, double dip. First, it would be the first team to ever host and be in it, so that would be incredible. Uh, I want to start off by asking about coming over to London again next year. Uh, when it was announced back in December... It's fair to say the whole Vikings administration seemed delighted to be coming back over the pond. Absolutely. We uh, we loved our experience there three years ago. And Number one, we came away with a win. But more importantly, uh, we really are supportive of the league growing the game in the UK. And uh, we're excited to be there. This time we'll be going as a, a, a visiting team. But I know our fans are going to be out in full force uh, somehow or another and be uh, supportive of us. I know you say you're supportive of the growth of the game in the UK. In the owners' meetings, is this the feeling of all 32 owners? Are we at the point where we've got round support for what they're doing in the UK? I think it's, it's all 32. I don't see any sense that anyone's saying this isn't a good thing it's a great game and we want to grow the game and uh, our, our efforts there have proven out to be where uh, it has moved up in popularity among the UK fans it's right up there I mean it's not going to be uh, uh, the, uh, the Premier League yet but uh, we're making great inroads and it's a great game obviously um, this season you guys when the trade for Sam Bradford happened there was that big thing about the fact that you felt like you were just the quarterback away and you didn't want to let an opportunity slip by and started the season brilliantly um, how do you reflect on the season with the way it ended and, and certainly the way it ended where it seemed to be some division between players and coaches is the work to do in the off season to, to kind of rectify some of that well there's really no division between players and coaches that whole thing was completely overblown and we're all past that uh, obviously a disappointing season for ourselves and our our organization and most importantly for our fans especially with the start we had but you know Teddy going down was a tremendous blow uh, we still feel great about the trade we made uh, it was a high price to pay but Sam Bradford's an outstanding quarterback he proved that coming in with a week or two notice and starting week two hitting the ground running and uh, he did a great job completion percentage uh, uh, being someone the team really believes in and uh, we can win with Sam Bradford and look I think anyone who gives that trade any stick at this point and I was a big fan of it at the time I thought it was the right move and other injuries maybe cost the team but 
anyone who's doubting it, the fact that we're now seeing that it's unlikely that Teddy will be back and ready for the start of this next season just shows what value it was. Well, Teddy's injury was, uh, you know, such a great kid, Teddy, but and I, I wouldn't count him out at all. He's rehabbing hard, working hard, but that was factoring into why we made that trade because it wasn't just an ACL. It was a little more, it was a very serious injury, and uh, we still don't know what 17 is going to be like, and uh, we need to make sure we recover to that position either way. The, the, the thing with that great start to the season and, and that defence which is still really young all the pieces are still there it was mainly the offensive line that seemed to be the problem I guess you guys still feel that, that if anything the 5-6-0 start showed you can be one of the elite teams in the NFL and, and with the right moves in the off season you could easily be hosting the Super Bowl and playing in the Super Bowl next year well you look at the Atlanta Falcons are here and last year's uh, their story was they were 5-0 and and they faded down the stretch so there's no reason that we can't come back the NFL is a uh, uh, turns on a dime very often and I know uh, Rick Spielman our GM and coach Zimmer are working very hard to make sure we fix those uh, areas where we didn't have the depth and where listen we had injuries but that's part of the game Uh, so we got to make sure we get our depth better built through the draft and do all things that are uh, needed to get us to the championship and look I've got to tell you we had three of your guys over for the NFL UK tour recently we had Eric Kendricks Harrison Smith and Anthony Barr and we got to sit down with them for half an hour and, and talk football and every player in that team seems positive about what they're doing they're obviously gutted and de- sorry that's devastated in English for, uh, for what happened this year but, but it seems like there's some real positivity a lot of positivity. We got to get some offensive players in that mix. So we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get a nice balanced attack for everybody next year. And uh, those are great guys. And our, our players are very supportive of the UK. We had a tremendous fan rally in Regent uh, Park there, and the, yeah. and it went three years ago. It was one of the experiences of my life to see the th- hundreds of thousands of fans coming out to support football. It was really cool. There's been some great things. I heading the cricket ground hosted um, Harrison Smith and. Um, and a couple of other it was John Sullivan at the time the centre there's been I think the Vikings more than any other team have interacted brilliantly with the UK when you guys have been around and I'd be intrigued to know have you had a chance to see Twickenham yet have you got out to the the home of rugby no but I know Coach Zimmer and our defence you know a little bit of a scrum there will be pretty good (laughs) so we're all about defence and being tough and uh, we're looking forward to a new venue Wembley was great Uh, like I said the fans come out and the Viking fans especially are outstanding we're in a bit of an interesting period of transition in the NFL overall right now I mean, the growth of the game in the UK is great as far as we're concerned, but we're now at a stage where it's looking like three teams are going to have moved within a very short space of time, and right now the Raiders' possible move to Vegas is up in the air. What's the sense right now about that move for the Raiders, particularly amongst that owner's room and the conversations you're having with other executives and owners around the league? Well, we really haven't had a chance yet to discuss with other owners as far as the latest developments. I know there have been some developments the last day or two. Uh, listen, it's something I know the league and our bylaws are are very strict in terms of making sure before a, a stadium solution is not worked out and a team relocates that they're very careful about it because we don't like seeing teams uh, move from cities. Unfortunately, uh, things did not work out in St. Louis or San Diego, And uh, but I think the flip side of it is in L.A., uh, th- those teams will be successful. And as far as the Raiders, uh, still haven't seen a proposal yet formally and haven't seen where the dust has settled on the latest news yet. I mean, I think on that very point you said about St. Louis and San Diego, I think when the 
St. Louis move happened, there was a, an acceptance that that was going to happen away in advance. But actually, San Diego, I still feel like even now with everything that's happened, people still want a team in San Diego, both locally and nationally and internationally. They do. It's a great city. It's a great market. We, we ourselves do business there. And I know for the Spanos family and, and knowing Dean and how their family feels about it, I mean, this was a painful thing to move a team out of a city. And uh, he struggled a great deal with it. And I know he and the league uh, made a lot of effort uh, to make sure that uh, they could try to make a solution happen. I mean, we were very fortunate in Minnesota uh, that we worked out a public-private partnership with the state of Minnesota, the city of Minneapolis, roughly 50-50 uh, in terms of putting a building together and creating a lot of economic development. So uh, I think our fans have been the beneficiaries of a, of a, of a great partnership there. Not every, every stadium solution and every stadium situation is different, so it depends. And from what I've heard, what a stadium yeah. it is and the host of 52. We're, we're excited to be out there next year. Maybe not for being outside of the media centre or outside of the stadium, but as long as we can be inside plenty, we're, we're gonna, really looking forward to it. Well, we're going to have some great, great festivities, 10-day festival, winter. Embrace the cold. It's the bold north. Come on out. You know, we're going to have a 10-day winter festival. We're going to have ice bars, snowmobiling, all these cool things. And the state of Minnesota, the people there are very warm and welcoming. Indianapolis, the Midwest, always does a great job when we host the Super Bowl. So, and if, if it's too cold for you, we've got 10 miles of skyways for you. <laughs> and most importantly, we have, we think, the best sporting venue in the world at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I hope people get to see it. If they not, they're going to see it on TV. It's a special place that we can't wait to host the world for Super Bowl 52. Radio Row, Chad Greenway, linebacker yes. of the Minnesota Vikings. In fact, we're, yes. a, we're a point in this off-season now between having... We've just had Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, and Anthony Barr all came out to the yes, UK and I did a tour that. with those guys. So we hung out with those guys. We've been speaking... We're really just feeling the Vikings love in the UK right now. Awesome. We love that. Yeah, we love to be able to promote not only our brand in obviously the United States, but obviously you know across the world and the UK. I know has a bunch of Viking fans. And, and when we went there um, in 2013 to play the Steelers, we felt that. I mean, we really felt that. We felt the love over there. And, I mean, couldn't have been a better experience for us. It was And it incredible. almost couldn't have been a better game for us. What, like big finish, you get the stop on Big Ben, and, and, yep. that's the, and we get the home win. And... For me as well, that was one of the first occasions where we felt, as the UK fan base was learning about the game, that they really knew how to play, react as a home team. Loud on defense, quiet on offense, yep. you know, when to make noise, when to, when to shut up, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you find that in I, your experience when yeah, you were there? You know, honestly, I was anticipating something different. I was anticipating a, a crowd that didn't necessarily know how to follow the game or necessarily care maybe about the game you know i know it's it, it's soccer is, is the biggest sport over there and obviously that's what everybody cares about and and the, the biggest thing i know is that the lack of action you go into a huddle and everybody's like what are they doing why aren't they kicking the ball around you know so it's and i and i get i get that from that perspective so um to me the fan experience was awesome i thought they did a great job i thought they definitely were in tune with what was going on and like you said as a home team we felt like the home team which was the best part so um it was a great experience i i cannot wait to go back I'm not going to lie, against the Cleveland Browns, they're not a hugely supported team in the UK. It might feel like another home game for you. Well, that's good. I know that we're the road team, I think, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, But we're going to try to make it the home crowd again. So we're, it's okay. It's okay if we have a lot of fans there to be loud when they have the ball. doesn't necessarily matter, as long as you're loud. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Love that. Well, at least we're not cheering for kicks anymore. Yeah. And great punts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. I mean, uh, Chad, I say... We, you, I keep referring in these terms, but come March 1st, you're technically not a Viking. Right. Is this a situation, I mean, first of all, 
has been any consideration to deciding we've seen you know players as young as Chris Borland after his first season yep. decide to go early and increasingly particularly at those hard hitting positions your linebacker defensive right. lineman people retiring early has that at any point crossed your mind and and if you stay in the league is it Vikings or bust for you yeah so if I uh, I've played 11 years obviously been here for 11 so in one place which has been a great achievement and I'm happy about but uh, now it's the point where I'm, I'm reaching that point with four children at home and and you know the thought that I've done it for 11 years to say hey you know what we should really step back and take a look at, at what we want to do for our future and we've done that over the course of this last month we want to take some more time to really identify what we want to do and what's the next step for our family so um, retirement is a possibility for sure um, continue to play is a possibility if I do play it's certainly only going to be in Minneapolis uh, for the Vikings I'm not going to jump ship and go somewhere else and and, uh, and try to start anew you know at 30 just turned 34 years old so this is a young man's game um <laughs> for a reason and we're going to keep it that way but if there's one reason to stay just even an extra year is the potential especially with the squad that you guys have got the roster that you guys have got of perhaps playing in a Super Bowl in your home stadium that would be incredible no doubt about it that's definitely something that draws you back and and, and the, the thing you realize though when you start thinking about what ifs and what's going to be ahead and what are the chances are the reality is you just don't know yeah. so to, to say and do it for that reason wouldn't necessarily be very logical for me um, thankfully, I've like I said, I've had a relatively healthy career. Um, it's been a great ride. Um, the best part about being in one place and kind of sitting back and thinking what's next for me is I have the chance to sit and really think about mm. it. A lot of guys don't get that opportunity. A lot of guys that say, hey, your career's over. We're going to we're gonna cut you. We're going to let you go. And they never get signed back on with the team. So for me to be able to be in, in an organization and in a position to decide myself, few people get that opportunity so I, I really cherish this right now and and i'm going to take some time to really to really think about what's right for us i heard um aj hawk on the peter king podca- uh, podcast aj hawk uh, former green bay packer yep. and he said that he'd been really lucky regards to not having as many injuries and actually never having a concussion it's maybe there's something to do with genetics or something like that but yep. Is that something that you've been blessed with and not having too many uh, head injuries and, and other ailments that has affected your body as a whole? And that's why you've managed to stay 11 years in the league. and At a high level as well. At, at a great level and thinking right. of going even further and because you're not as susceptible to, to getting banged up. Right. No, I, so, so I, like, I came out with AJ. AJ and I are the same age, so we came out together. He's a great guy. All, awesome guy. We played all the way through college together. A phenomenal guy. Great player. I mean, had an unbelievable career. And I think for me to you know identify with a guy like him is exactly right, though, is I've had two concussions in my career, if you count college and pros, one in college, one in the NFL. And I think, so like you said, to your point, is I have been fairly lucky with injury. And, you know, I've had five knee surgeries, so not that lucky. But, um, you know, over the course of that much football, you're going to have some things that are going to happen. So it's more about... Um, just appreciating that and then maybe realizing that maybe you don't want to play keep playing because that injury is inevitable sure and it's going to happen you know so it's a matter of um you know you play through a bunch of different things but it's hard and impossible to play through a head head injury so those are things you do think about you consider and obviously you want to make sure you're healthy for your family looking back at the 2016 season and it's horrible to drag up bad memories but with the news that it looks like Teddy Bridgewater's not going to be ready to go for next year and what a horrible injury it was, just tell us about your memories of that day because it, it's a pretty unique experience, to be fair. A unique yeah. and negative one, but unique. Yeah, you know, I think the um, the thing about that experience was is just 
the way we all feel about Teddy and you know the person that he is, you know, disregard the fact that he's a football player and he's your teammate. Really, more about the person that he is and and what he represents. Um, you just feel for a guy like that when you see him go through something like that. Clearly, this is what he loves to do. This is his profession. This is um, what he wants to be great at, and he puts work into. So to see him fail and have you know to fall and have it be an injury, have an injury, and, and especially as severe as it was, was hard to see. Certainly, um, but really, just the person that he is, you know. He's so bubbly, great teammate. I mean, a great guy. You know, you just hate to have those things happen, and, and it was um, it was gruesome. And we're obviously all rooting for him to come back as soon as possible. Ben, in which case, looking forward to this season. You know, they go out, they make the big trade, and we spoke with Mark Wolf about this yesterday. They still feel very positive about. It. I think anyone who had any doubts about the spend now they know that Bridgewater is not going to be back for next year. I think maybe they should. They should pipe down, man. An apology apology (laughs) to Rick Spielman might be nice from a few members of the media, maybe. Well, I I just think that, um, you know... Media is one thing, and that's and you guys have an obligation and a duty, and that's your job to break these things down. It's a great talking point. It's a great hey, how's this? Let's see how this is going to shake out. But for me, when it's as a teammate, as a as a person that's been in the organization for this long, it's like okay, how does this look from a personnel side? And clearly, there were some questions about Sam and that making that trade. But I can tell you, when he came in, the leadership that he showed, his ability on the football field, um, you know, he did an incredible job. His his performance was unreal, and I think you, to say this trade was was silly or didn't make sense is ridiculous but um now we're in a position where obviously we, we were unsure of teddy's future and continue to be unsure so now we're in a position where we have a quarterback and we have one less position that we have to fill for next year and obviously the most important position and, and sam showed that proved that he can play at a level that is um sort of indicative of a, of a high level playoff team and hopefully a super bowl contender and he showed that in those first first five games of the season last in 2016 five in a row Plus, it would be remiss of me, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, so it would be remiss of me as a, as a serious journalist not to ask you <laughs> about... you're a serious journalist, you wouldn't have told a Vikings player you're a Packers fan. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm surprised he's not walked away. Listen, <laughs> listen... We, have to be a, we ought to be a fan of something. Exactly, thanks. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm going to ask you about the first game in, in Bank Stadium yep. in, in beating your, your biggest rivals. Yep. So my, Packer, my uh, Vikings friends tell me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just tell me, what was it like playing in that stadium for the first time? Because it looks incredible on, on TV. Yep. Can't wait to get out there next year. Man. Exactly. You guys get to come next year. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, you guys will be. You guys will be really impressed. I can tell you um, from a fan perspective, media perspective, it is just an incredible place and venue to not only watch the game but just to take it in. You know, there's so many things, different things to look at. The screens are incredible. Um, obviously, you have the glass thing going on on top. Um, doesn't matter. Night game gives you a different perspective because you get the lights from the city which come in, which are really cool. Day game is really cool because you feel like you're playing outside. Um, it could be 30 degrees outside, and that the sun comes in and warms up. It feels like a 70. I mean, it's just beautiful in there. And obviously, you're playing indoors, which is nice in Minneapolis sometimes uh, throughout the year. But so. isn't, isn't there part of you that thinks, uh, look at what happened in the season where you played outdoors, and okay, that playoff loss was a tough, tough loss. What loss? I'm not sure what you're talking oh, about. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> we thought we forgot about that. The Seattle who? Uh, <laughs> that, it was a tough, tough loss, but... I loved you guys playing outside in that cold yep. night. You know, I'm sure it's not great for you as a man. Who's Remember, been in the I said for fan years. perspective or media <laughs> perspective. I prefer to play outdoors. Uh, that's Love just it. the way I. That's the way I was kind of brought up. I think you know, growing up on a farm and loving the loving being outside and playing outside. Like football was meant to me to be played outside. Having said that, it might make more sense for us to use that facility full time, obviously year round, if it being indoors. So it made more sense for us to get the funding and get it accomplished. Yeah, absolutely, and. Now you get to 
host us at the Super Bowl next year and like you say yes. ho- hopefully you'll be in there what I do want to ask about so we got to sit down with, with three great young members of that Vikings defense yep. Harrison Smith I think is a guy who could go on and, and have a, a multiple all-pro, all-pro if not Hall of Fame type career and then a modelling career after it what a oh, handsome yeah. fellow gorgeous Yeah. Uh, yep. and then that's the takeaway line that's what we're tweeting out uh, and then Eric Kendricks Anthony Barr you know, they told us about the guys that they looked to on the defence. Your name obviously came up on that, but what about those three young men? Oh. It's an exciting nucleus there. You know, we have so many good young players. You know, Daniil Hunter's a guy that we forget about. Had 12 and a half sacks in limited role. I mean, who has 12 and a half sacks in a limited role? That just doesn't happen. That's, a, that's unheard of And you remember, like, say, like the first season Alden Smith was in the league. Those yep. were the kind of production he had only yep. in pure passing downs role. And everyone was like, this guy's the next big thing. And Daniel yep. Hunter, we're barely talking about Barely him. talking about him. Like, nothing happened. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. Um, but, yeah, at the same time, so back to your question, though, Eric Hendricks, incredible player, incredible kid, high character, Anthony Barr. Incredible kid, high character. Harrison, obviously high character and an incredible player. So I just think the more you get into these guys, yes, they're great players, but really what makes them valuable to our organization is their character, who, what makes them up, you know, how they make their decisions. Those are what we're proud of to have those types of guys in our, in our building. And I think that's the way that we want to build our organization from the bottom up. So um, if we can continue to have guys like that, like those three you, ne- you mentioned and then many others like Daniil, um, we're, we're on the right direction for sure. And, and hopefully we can continue to, to, uh, to do that and find players and, and kind of fill some spots where we had some, some weaknesses this past year and then really make a run. So for UK fans who might be considering, they've seen how much fun we've had this week. They're thinking, once-in-a-lifetime experience, I'm willing to pay the thousands of dollars it takes to get me out there, ticket, everything else. Why should they pick Super Bowl 52 in Minneapolis in that stadium? Well, because I think the, the experience of people coming into our city and our state is going to be, because of our volunteers, because of our people, because of the way we treat and host, I think is going to be the best experience. I think you're going to feel like you're a part of it. I feel like you're going to feel like you're a part of Minnesota when you're there. That's just the way we are. So um, not only that, our stadium's absolutely incredible. It's brand new. It hasn't been seen by a lot of people. So it's going to be a place and an incredible venue to have a Super Bowl. Um, and plus, yeah, it's going to be cold, but we have plenty of warm places to have a couple hot toddies and, uh, and finish <laughs> off the night. So it's going to be a great experience. Um, you know, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be so great for our state to have the Super Bowl back there again for the second time. And, uh, and for a cold weather um, state to have the second one is, is impressive. So we're looking forward to it. Hopefully it's enough to convince you back. Yes. The chance of going back there and Potentially. Playing. Jack Greenway, <laughs> uh, I hope the next few weeks aren't too tough for you while you're trying to make that decision. <laughs> and I hope that we see you back in London next year. And, and I hope that we get to see you, fingers crossed, even out in Minneapolis in a year's time. Thank you for joining Sounds us. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. Uh, so we're joined here on Radio Road by Taylor Heineke. I've pronounced that correct, yes? Yes. Okay. We've gone, before we, uh, we press record, we went through all the various versions of the way we can get Heineke in a sentence. Uh, John Jackson <laughs> was excellent on it. Um, Taylor, of course, the, the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings. A frustrating season from a team point of view. Sam Bradford coming in, which was great, but not for great reasons with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Were you on the field or, or in the vicinity at the time? And uh, uh, by all accounts and purposes, it was a pretty um, uh, horrendous thing to have been with party to. Yeah, I was 10 yards behind Teddy when it all happened. And, um, you know, I remember it like it was yesterday. It was very gruesome. Um, like you said, horrifying. It was just one of those things where, you know, he's dropping back. It was a play-action pass. He, you just hear two cleats click or something like that. And, uh you know, he falls down, he rolls over, and you just see you see everything that happened. And, um, 
it was I'm kind of getting goosebumps right now thinking mm. about it. It was just it was it was awful. You know, could it happen to a greater guy? Teddy's, you know, he's always coming in the facility smiling. Um, he's always got that positive attitude, and uh, he's a great guy. And it couldn't have it couldn't have happened to a, a greater guy. And you know, I just feel for him, and I know he's working hard to get back. And um, we'll see what happens. So you were sat behind Teddy. Sam Bradford comes in, and he's got a wealth of experience as well. What kind of lift for one did that give the team and two how much has Sam or watching Sam every day in practice and during games how much has that helped you develop as a player yeah um, we went out and got Sam um, and, and I knew from Sam that he was the first first guy picked overall um, you know years back and he's been through a lot whether it was injuries or going through some some tough times with teams and and stuff like that and um, so we came in, and, and I can't imagine what he went through trying to learn the whole playbook a week before the season starts. So you know, that was the first thing for him. And, and then we go through the season, and uh, he has some offensive linemen go down. He has Adrian go down. Um, our OC leaves. And, and, you know, he just goes through all this stuff, and he hands it with such class and such professionalism. And just sitting in the quarterback meetings room with him, I just learned so much. Um, I feel like I got two three times better with, with him in the room. So... Um, I'm, I'm very happy he's there. What was the reaction immediately when that trade was made? Because I, what, the view to the rest of the world and whether people think it was overpaid or not, and I think now that we know Teddy isn't likely to make it back for next season, suddenly the suggestion that you've overpaid looks ludicrous. <laughs> but what it said to the rest of the world, I think, was that whether it was Rick Spielman, whether it was Coach Zimmer, there was a belief that you were ready to take that team and go to a Super Bowl. So even in a way, after you've had to suffer such a horrendous situation as you did with Teddy, was that almost that bit of a moment of, all right, people believe in us, let's go out and do it? Well, you look at the year before. Uh, we were in the playoffs, and we lose to Seattle with a missed field goal. Um, and you, know, you don't know what happens after that. Um, I felt like we did have a Super Bowl contending team that year. Obviously, I was a rookie. I didn't really know much, but we were playing very well at that point. Um, and again, going into next year, I felt like we had the same team, but a little bit better. You know, we got some guys and, and stuff like that. So when we brought Sam in, Sean Hill obviously played with him at, in St. Louis before, and he was like, "This guy, this guy can can fling it. You know, he can sling it around." <laughs> and he's uh, an arm. That yeah. is definitely an arm. We know that much. Oh yeah. So you know, I think some guys are skeptical, obviously, just because a lot of people are skeptical about Sam. And after going through the season with him, he he's one of the best quarterbacks I've I've seen in person. Um, the guy can the guy can do it all. Um, so you know, we're I think it was a smart move. Obviously, what you're talking about now, if Teddy might not be coming back next year, uh, I'm really interested in the dynamics of a starting quarterback, a backup quarterback, and especially one that comes in with such little time to prepare for the season. Did you, did you, as the backup, not become obviously the starter, but did you become a, a bit of help help Sam get really up to speed with the playbook? and everything else that entails much quicker? Did you become a bit of a teacher because you know the offense more, obviously more than he did? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Sean was there, and he's been in the league for 14, 15 years. Sure. So he was really the top guy to, to help Sam. And, um, you know, whenever I saw something that, you know, no one was saying anything about, I would kind of just, you know, throw something out there and see if, if that was something they would like to remember or not and uh you know that was my that was my role um again i was still learning so but with what i did know and if they didn't see it or if i saw something differently i would kind of just speak my mind try and give them a different 
you know viewpoint. So is that difficult to do to, to speak up when you've got 14-year veteran Sam Bradford, big blockbuster trade in front of you, but you're you you know you, you're the sort of the the second year second year third third string quarterback. So is that difficult to do to speak up? Well, at first it was. Um, you know, I was kind of scared. I didn't want to say something stupid or you know anything like that. But you know, once I developed a great relationship with Sam um, and Sean and you know we could really trust each other it became a lot easier um, again you don't want a guy you know come in you this guy's been in the league eight nine years he was a first round pick overall he's been you know starting for you know eight nine years and you don't want a guy that's been third string for two years trying to tell you what to do you know yeah. I, I completely yeah. understand that so so when when it was relevant you uh dropped in and said oh maybe we could uh do it that way or so oh i was just like do you guys see this and i'll be like i'm seeing this do you guys see this too maybe see, that's we can, great yeah yeah i wasn't really trying to tell him what to do sure. or anything like that obviously not but i was just kind of trying to throw ideas out there if i saw them or you know you know stuff like that i wasn't really trying to tell him what to do on the practice field obviously sam's taking the first team reps and you've got sean there as well for people that aren't quite aware of the dynamic of that, what what do does the third string guy? What do you do practice field day to day? Is it working out with the uh, uh, with the reserves? Is it what's what's your role? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough question, and it's tough for a third string quarterback to really get enough reps to try and you know stay ready. So um, you know, obviously from high school to college, I was taking all the first string reps, and then you get the the NFL on your third string you don't get much reps and it's hard to get, keep getting better or, or stay as good as you are um, so Sean would take a lot of the scout team reps and then when you know he was kind of done or whatever oh, he's he old wanna, he's 14 yeah. he's 14, 14 years in the exactly. league he gets tired quick so yeah <laughs> a few step exactly so he'll come out he'll just throw me in there we'll have some fun with it but um, Sean was very very good at letting me get a lot of reps and, and trying to develop me. He did a good job of developing me as, as well. He did. He wasn't only just a second string quarterback. He he was kind of a coach's me as well, as long, along with Scott Turner. Um, and I felt like I got a lot better because of Sean Hill. Um, what's the the goal for you for next season? Uh, of, of course, you still stay with the Vikings, backing up uh, Sam Bradford. So that's more reps, hopefully, for you. Unless they bring, hopefully not for our sake right now they don't bring someone else in but what's what's the goal a, a few more uh, actual game time nfl time pr- some some meaningful snaps yeah um again just have a pr- strong preseason um whether the vikings do draft a guy don't draft a guy anything we're gonna need four arms during camp and you know whatever happens happens and i just hopefully have a strong camp have a strong preseason and hopefully be number two to sam and uh, if, God forbid, he goes down, I go in and have a successful game, two games, how long it is. But, um, you know, that's that's all I can wish for, hope for, and work for. And you'll be ready, of course. What's um, what's Mike Zimmer like? I love him. He's a, he's a hard-nosed, old-school guy. He um, seems it when we, when we, uh, when we see him on uh, press conferences and such like. Oh, yeah, he's all about working hard, um, you know, grinding through pain, one of those guys, and, uh, you know, just, I kind of grew up the same way throughout the high school. We had the same kind of coach, and um, you know, I, I like it. It's very gritty. Um, I think that's that's what our team is. One of the real joys of being down on Radio Row on a Friday is you get to catch up with some of the rookies coming up in this year's draft in Philadelphia. Uh, Lee Steinberg will be at the party on Saturday talking with some of these guys as well. But 
couple of his rookie running backs joining us now on Radio Row. We've got Aaron Jones running back out of UTEP back in Texas to come and join us on Radio Row, of course. And Jamal Williams, the BYU all-time leading rusher. First of all, guys, how are you enjoying your Radio Row experience so far? Uh, it's crazy. You, you see so many uh, famous people here walking around. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Man, you know, I already got, we got starstruck uh, with seeing Warren Sapp. And we didn't even get up here yet, you know? We was already discussing, looking like little gossip girls. Is that him over there? Well, it's interesting that because uh, all of you guys have kind of come down here today as a big group and we're chatting to you both at the same time. And this is your first experience of the NFL media level. In the UK, we don't get the college game anything like you do. And, and so I guess you guys have been prepared for this a little bit. But it's got to be pretty great coming down here together and uh, other guys who are also going into the draft and experiencing this whole process at the same time. Uh, yes, sir, it definitely is. Uh, just the opportunity. Uh, a lot of people don't get this opportunity, so uh, it's, a, it's, it's nice. And Aaron, back in Texas. Uh, yes, sir, I'm glad to be back in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamal, let me ask about you. Coming out of that Shrine Bowl game, a lot of buzz around you. I heard the phrase Matt Forte-esque, somebody said to me mm. the other day. And, and, you know, turning heads with your performance at Brigham Young. So what are your hopes for this uh, for this next few months and coming up to the draft? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to do whatever I can to show that um, I'm a versatile back. I could do every, I'm an every down back and um, I could do everything that, that needs to be done. And being resembled to Matt Forte, you know, is a blessing and, you know, I'm just grateful to, to even be with him because he's a great running back. You know, he's been doing it for a while, and he still got it. You know, he still got everything he do, and um, just hopefully I can get back and be on his level. And I think, Aaron, as well, we look at the guys who have come out in the last few drafts who have been immediately successful, whether it's David Johnson, whether it's Le'Veon Bell, whether it's the, two, the guys we're seeing this weekend in, in both Devonta Freeman, uh, Tevin Coleman out of the backfield for the Falcons, is that they are, you say, every down backs. They can pass block. They can catch the ball out of the backfield. They can go get their head down and go through the line as well. And so I don't know about your offenses at, at college, but... You know, is that something you've been focusing on to make sure that all those skill sets are there? Because particularly something like pass blocking might not be something you do as much in the in the college game. Oh uh, yes, sir. That's definitely uh, one of the focuses. If you can't pass block at the next level, then you can't stay on the field. So uh, that's one thing. Like that's one of the main focuses. But uh, at my school, we do pass block a lot and uh, catch the ball out of backfield. So. That's uh, one thing that's going to help me. There we go. So you're going to be that mid-round pick that everyone's suddenly raving about in three months' time and picking up in their fancy next season. <laughs> yes, sir, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what about uh, for you, Jamal? I, I want to... There, I say that buzz is there, mm-hmm. and, and I wonder, you know, Lee Steinberg's a guy who has had so many guys go in, in the first round. We saw Paxton last year move into the first round, mm-hmm. and many had a second round uh, graft, draft grade on him. What's that been like for you, getting that sudden level of attention over this last couple of months? Um, you know, it's, it's grateful. I'm grateful for it, and it's just a blessing. And it just makes me want to keep working harder to even get my name out there even more. So, um, you know, you just got to stay humble, keep grinding, and, you know, blessings come your way. So, uh, you know, just use this as fuel. You mean just to just to keep you motivated and to, and to keep pushing. Uh, have you guys, you said you were starstruck coming down here, seeing Warren Stapp, guys like that, but... Have you spoken with any guys in the league, whether out of your schools or anything else, any guys who, who have come in, and have you had any advice from current professionals at all? No, not yet. Um, not yet. I still not yet is them. the key thing, man. Well, I tell you, walk around here. Jerome Bettis was stood over there about three or four minutes ago, and we're speaking to him a little bit later on. I mean, 
Oh, okay, we see him. more of a fullback, but that's a, you know, <laughs> it's a Hall of Famer we're talking about. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Those kind of opportunities and experience to speak to those guys, it must be amazing. Uh, yes, sir. I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what other players I get to meet, uh, talk to, and interact, and just uh, see what, they, uh, what advice and uh, experiences like they've been through and they have to give me. If, if you could meet and speak to one guy today who's down here, I, not necessarily that you've seen already, but if, mm-hmm. if there was like a dream scenario for you to get to sit down for 10 minutes with a current NFL player, who would you pick? A current one? Yeah. Hmm. I, oh, that is, that is hard. I, I, had a, I had a former one in my head. Yeah. Oh, well, give me a former one then. Give uh, me a former one. Either Emmitt Smith or Marshall Falk. Yeah. Emmitt Smith was sat right here at this table yesterday. For real? Chatting to us, yeah. Wow. I'll, I'll even go uh, either Walter Payton or Eric Dickerson. Oh, Eric Dickerson. I mean, these aren't Earl bad Campbell. choices. It has to be said. So you're <laughs> obviously so guys there. Well, I mean, uh, talk about Earl Campbell, Lee Steinberg's party coming up on Saturday. He's receiving humanitarian awards. So there's your opportunity. Get in there and, and, and chat to the great man. Uh, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. He's a legend. <laughs> so no doubt. Nice. No doubt. So what's, uh, with, with, when you get to be with a, a legendary agent like Lee Steinberg, I wonder what's your preparation right now? What, what, were you told before today what was the conversations you were having about coming down here and to an extent not putting your foot in it not saying anything that's going to get you in trouble and 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 preparing you for this what is this madness basically um i pretty much he just said you know you're just doing interviews just be yourself do what you've usually been doing you know and um he knows that we we not really boastful people you know we don't really try to hype ourselves up we usually just go by actions and you know just they're being humble, you know. I met, I already met, uh, I already met them today. Met all the players today, and we all nice, we all good. We ain't trying to overboast uh, each other, or you know, trying to make each other look bad. And then we really just out here, just having a great time together. And what have you been doing since the college season ended? We know that we're now, you know, the Super Bowl goes by, and we're just a few weeks away from the combine and it all starts the next season basically starts off again and kicks off and we get into draft season so what have you guys been doing for the last month or so uh been training uh at, at exos down in uh san diego uh getting ready for the nfl combine uh so that's all i've been up to you got you've you got times and targets when you look at the combine do you guys think to yourself i know i can hit and i'm gonna be going for this uh, i want to run in the four fours mm, yeah that's, that's, nice. that's always the goal four yeah, fours that's always the goal, goal. <laughs> But I always find, the, the bit I find fascinating about the Combine is the interview process. Like, we hear some crazy stories about things that teams ask players to try and throw them a loop, try and, like, knock you off your spot a little bit and then mm-hmm. see what you, what you can handle. So uh, how are you preparing for that side of things? I always stay cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I have to say, this has been the most laid-back interview I've done all week. You guys, <laughs> often when the rookie guys come in here, you, you get, like, People are nervous. You've only been here a couple of hours, and this is your first time doing this. I mean, I guess you've just just come back from the Senior Bowl. That must have quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of media around it, Jamal. Yeah, it was mostly just you know scouts asking the same questions over and over. So it pretty much just came like a. It was like it was almost scripted, but it wasn't though. You know, you just you well, just what, what were they asking you? You you know, where are you from? How would you? Who grew up in your family? Things like that, man. Then there's like. Uh, how many games you got injured, stuff like that, you know, just little baby things. But you, you just got to go with them, answer them honestly. And, you know, after that, it's over. You know, people really don't – they just want to see how honest you're going to be with them. Well, look, the draft is becoming a bigger and bigger deal in the U.K. Only a few years ago we started televising the first night. We now televise all three nights on 
mainstream sports radio. So, you know, people will hear your stories, they will see your combine, they will get all that information. But tell us a bit about, start off with you, Jamal, how your journey, how you came to be where you are now in college, what was your point to get to here so you sat right now speaking with UK radio um, mostly out of high school I wasn't highly recruited coming out uh, probably had I had one offer and then BYU offered me and after that I went to BYU they showed me that it was a great place to be it's a great football environment you know having the mountains in the back top and it's, it's a beautiful place there's yeah. no doubt about that and I'm not even a nature's man I really don't I'm not even a nature man <laughs> I hate the snow but at the same time you just play in it and I, just, I really had a great time there with all my friends and family coming down to see me it was close to California and um, it was just a, a great experience to be there and now uh, going for where I, my success in at BYU is just to come out here and, and to see where all my hard work and dedication has gotten me to right now is is a blessing. And I never thought coming out of high school that I'll be here now doing this. So, you know, it, ju- it just makes me even more hungry to keep working. I'll let you there. say you're a no-snow guy. I like to think at this point <laughs> that you're thinking to yourself, oh, do you know what? L.A. would be nice. Somewhere <laughs> in Florida, Atlanta. <laughs> Either team here in Texas, just somewhere it's going to be warm in December because, I don't know, uh, obviously you've got some great franchises up there. You, you could end up at the Vikings and, and be there with Adrian Peterson. You could end up in Green Bay. They need a running back. You know, mm. there, there are those sorts of teams, but there is part of me that thinks, I don't fancy playing games there in December and January. Nah, I don't like the snow, but I'll play in the snow, though. I'll play in it. Uh, what about you, Aaron? Uh, tell us a bit about how you came through. Um, I, uh, well, I went to high school in El Paso. Uh, there was the only school that gave me and my brother an opportunity to play together. Um, so we decided to go there. And uh, UTEP showed me and my brother a lot of love, uh, pretty much like hometown heroes. And my brother still has another year there. And um, I love playing there. Coach Kugler, he's a great coach. Um, and we have a we have a nice stadium as well we play inside the mountains as well uh, our stadium is built inside of the rock mountain I, don't, I know i know your stadium i've been there it's amazing overlooks mexico yeah, so it's incredible. pretty cool and um just all, knowing all your hard work and uh dedication all the time you put in is not going to waste is uh actually uh working out for you um this is really a dream come true you, you as a kid you dream to do things like this and uh, uh finally be able to start doing things and uh moving forward and uh, working towards your dream is and as really we're learning this week Texans know how to be hospitable they know how to throw a party <laughs> damn good food here I, uh, I, was th- I was thin before I got out here so uh, look guys it's been really cool chatting with you and catching up with you hope to see you tomorrow at least party it'd be great to catch up there as well and I wish you all the best of luck for the next two months soak every moment of it in because it's going to be incredible thank you thank you no worries guys so there we have it a slew of nfc north interviews for you here on the gridiron show of course you heard chad greenaway there i I left in the stuff about him making the decision about whether continue or to continue or not because even though we now know that he is finishing in the nfl has decided to retire after 11 seasons playing linebacker i thought some of his discussion over his reasoning and his thought process was quite interesting i hope you did too uh still time to get in touch with touchdown trips at touchdowntrips.com for our 2017 gridiron deep south tour uh, all the details of that at the top of the show if you missed them at gridiron on twitter for plenty more information i'm at will gav he's at ollie hunter we love to hear from you with ideas for what you want us to do through the off season as we roll on plenty i'm sure for us to dig our teeth into uh, we'll be back next week you've been listening to the gridiron show
Horse Ramble Daily, where we'll be covering all of your horse needs. And there's more. Every day during the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play or to win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full time supply, 18 plus only. Begambleaware.org.